Morning, everybody. We're in, a, we're in this series about mountains, okay? Mountains, mountains that are um, big things in our lives that, that sometimes are very daunting. We look at a mountain and we're like, oh man, that thing's super tall and I don't know how I'm going to get up that. I don't know how I'm going to get over that. And so a lot of us are just like, I'm just not in enough shape for that, right? I can't do it. And so mountains are, are these things that, that kind of intimidate us at times. And, um, and so in this, part of that we're talking about is some of the issues that we are dealing with in current day, what our culture is bombarding us with, okay, what we, um, and, and, and our inability to understand what to do with it. Um, and so we're talking about those things, and there's, for the next several weeks, it's, you know, brilliant Jesus, brilliant God, who uh, informs us. You know, one of the questions, uh, you've got these cards that are on that table over there, and I don't know if you got handed out to you on the way in. Here's what these cards are for. These cards are for, at any point, you can write down a question, okay? You can write down a question that I ask you so that you can ponder it throughout the week or you can um, try to drill down on it. So these cards are for you to write those things down. It's like a, an, a, an opportunity to write down what, what God's provoking you with or provoking you about. The other thing you can do with it is if you have a question about the subject that you are like, man, I'm, you know, I heard what you said. I'm not sure that I understand or agree. You can write that down and put it in the black box over there. Okay, write it down, put your name and your phone number on there, because we want to have a conversation about it. Here's what we don't want to do. We don't want you to sit here and go, I don't know that I agree with you, and leave it there. Okay? We want to engage in this, because here's the reality. We're, we're all in this together. And today, this subject, we are literally all in this together. Um, and so if, if, you, if you have a, um, uh, an uncertainty about some of the things that we talk about today... I want you to write it down and I want you to put it in the black box so I can call you and we can sit down and have a conversation. And it's not going to be a conversation where I'm like, I'm going to come at you and go, I'm right and you're wrong, all right? Because as, as I'm going to admit here, I've been wrong a lot, okay? So that's what these are for. So one of the, one of the questions that today that, you know, kind of stems from what I just said about the Bible and Jesus being brilliant and speaking to things that are coming up for us and they're still current day and relevant even though he said them all those years ago uh, in this unbelievable sermon in Matthew 5. The first question I'm, I have for you is where do you go to get informed? Where do you go to get informed? Okay, we'll get more into that more here in a minute. You got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. All right, Jesus, this is a sermon that Jesus gave, Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and, and it was, it's the most famous sermon. Um, and part of the, the, the thing that is amazing about this sermon is not only does it transcend time, just like everything Jesus does, but he totally flipped everybody's thinking and everything they had learned, he flipped it upside down. I mean, there, there were some things in there that they were like, what are you talking about? And so, you know, if you got your Bibles starting in Matthew 5, Adam read it last week, but um, 
And I, I'm going to hang out in 21 through 26 here in a minute. So, but, and that's going to be on the screen. But right now, one of the things that he started this sermon out, it said he opened his mouth in chapter 2. In verse 2, I mean, it, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is turning everything upside down because there's a belief then and still today that the poor aren't blessed. The poor aren't blessed. You know, it's the rich that are blessed. And so, and Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Divinely favored is what blessed means. Divinely favored are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, turning everything upside down because all the religious leaders were looking for power. I mean, power was... The, the favor of God, right? Power is the blessing. It is the favor of God. If I have reached prominence, and Jesus is sitting here saying, no, blessed are the meek. They're the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And he, he just keeps going on. And, and so he's kind of twisting people's head around because they're like, that's not what I thought. I thought blessed was I, I've reached a position because I have your favor. Okay? I, I'm, I'm in prominence or I'm an important person because I have your favor. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek. He turned their head upside down. And he kept going. He came, he came and we're going to jump to verse 21. And so under, knowing that, you can understand some of what he's saying here. He's talking about anger. And he said, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going to court with him. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. So going again right at the beginning, he's turning their head upside down. He's like, you know, murderers are going to be judged. And, he's, and ultimately what he goes on to say is, you know what you're also doing? He's like dragging out their heart condition. He's dragging it out in the open. He says, and he's saying, you know what you do? You who insult your brothers insult the people around you, call them fool, and another translation says raka. Basically, it means you're, you're essentially calling your brothers an idiot or clueless. You who demean the people around you, you're a murderer facing judgment. You're a murderer facing judgment. You're no better than the murderer. You who tear into people and say, oh, you're an idiot. You're a fool. You know, the one of the biggest cuss words you can call anybody in, in the Bible is fool. It's, 
It's one of the harshest things you can say. And so in that, he's, he's basically saying when you tear into people, you're guilty, just like the murderers. And, and, and so, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm going, well, I, you know, I, and where all that plays out most of the time is in our anger, right? So today we're talking about anger and we're talking about what anger, the role of anger and how, how it's playing out in our culture. And, and I, I have to confess right out of the gate, this has not been a comfortable message for me. For the last several weeks, knowing that I had to give this one and I'm kind of irritated that my straw got pulled on this one because, you know, the, what happens with me in messages is God makes me live them. And so what happens is I'm sitting here and I've been living this message and it's not been pretty because I have to confess probably the biggest struggle I've had lately is this, being angry, like being mad. And, and, and this anger has been pouring out. You know, it's one thing I, I take and I take and I take and I suppress it. I, I handle it pretty well. And then all of a sudden I've realized that it's just been, it keeps filling, it's like a cup that keeps filling up and it's boiling and it starts to like splash out. It like bubbles over, okay? And it kind of really came to a head for me one day because I was really mad. And, I, and I, it was a day that I didn't really think I was mad, but my wife said something to me about how I handled one of the things with one of our kids. And like, I literally just, it starts spilling over. Because I'm like, in my mind, this is where I go all the time. I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. It doesn't matter what I do, I can't do it. It's not right. I'm terrible at this, I'm terrible at that. And so then what happens is, because I have nowhere to go with that poison, it just like starts bubbling out, bubbling out, and I'm mad. And, 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 and that wasn't pretty. That ended with my wife upset. That ended with my five-year-old in tears. It wasn't pretty. But what it did is it made me go, I really got to figure this out. I got to drill down on this because it's causing problems. It's causing problems. And the reality is God's taking me on this journey has not been comfortable. There's a lot of things that God has revealed that have not been comfortable. And uh, we're going to talk about those things. Now, one of the things that I, I want to make sure, and I, I kind of kidded the staff people today. I mean, last week I was... We were in staff meeting and I was kind of kidding about what we were going to talk about. And because uh, here's the thing, I know that there's probably some of you that go, I don't really struggle with that. I don't really struggle with anger. It's not my deal. It's not my issue. I don't believe a lot of that. Because if you look at society today, if you look at social media today, if you look at the way we talk, the way we speak to one another, it's filled with anger. It's filled with hostility. I joked with the staff that I was going to take and I was gonna ask who are Trumpers and never Trumpers and I was gonna separate them and I make the Trumpers sit over here and the never Trumpers sit over here. And Adam was like, oh my gosh, please don't do that. 
Please don't do that. But here's the reality. Let's get down to it, right? Because here's the reality. You can sit here and go, no, I'm not, I don't get mad. I don't get mad. You know what? The reality is, it's gross. It's gross. You know, we sit here and on social media post stuff all the time about our position, our opinion that we believe is right. Okay? We sit here and talk about Republicans and Democrats, and we sit here and have the audacity to think that our viewpoints are the only right viewpoints. Right? Let's be honest. I mean, it's gross. We sit here and go, we, we really, we church people, this is what I think God is so like in tears about this. We church people tear each other down about Republican versus Democrat. And you know what we do? Is we think we have the moral high ground. Oh, I've heard it said, there's no way you can be a Christian and be a Democrat. I've heard it said. I mean, reality. I've heard it said the other way. Okay? But the, and the thing is, it kind of like boils something up. You remember what, what you don't talk about? You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. Why? Because people get mad about it. The reality is this. Neither one of us should try to claim any moral high ground about politics. Because neither one of them are worth you going to the mat for. It's gross. We're fighting and we're embarrassing ourselves. And where, again, where do you go to get informed? You know, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but CNN is not the Christian News Network, okay? Fox News, it's not it either, all right? I mean, just being honest, and where do we go to get informed? I know, I know that, you know, it, I used to go to my parents' house, and my parents had Fox News on. My dad would be listening to Fox News all the time, and you know what that did to me? It just made me mad, right? Because they would stir up dissension. They'd get me all riled up about things I, have, I can't fix, I can't control. I'm sitting here getting all stirred up and riled up because I think this other side is getting over and doing something wrong. Or they're like Darth Vader, they're the evil empire, right? I mean, and uh, you get all stirred up either direction, right? Where do you go to get informed? Because here's the thing, Fox News and CNN, they can take the same event and they put their own take and spin on it and it just stirs up dissension. And stirs up anger. And it's been the history of us as people. You know, it's rich versus poor. You know, the rich people look at poor people and go, you're poor because you're stupid, right? You're poor because you didn't work as hard as I did. You're poor because of blah, blah, blah. And the poor people look at rich people and they judge. And we get angry about it because the rich people are getting everything. They're getting over on us. You know, Christian versus non-Christian. I mean, we fight. Why are we, why are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we so angry? Our friendships, our friendships end. We're in the quit society, you know? If you don't like it, I, just leave then. We get angry. We say terrible things and we tear people down. 
We're a society filled with bickering and fighting and division and hate. And that's not what God wants. It's what Jesus said here is that if you tear into your brother and say these terrible things and insult him, you're no better than a murderer. No better. So, one of the things about this anger is that I wanted, part of the reason I wanted to talk about those things is I wanted to get us all in reality. We all have our issues, right? We all have our things that we get like red hot about. We all have our things that get us all fired up. And so let's all just agree that we gotta learn and we need to be informed by, by what God says, all right? So one, one of the things in, in this pursuit of trying to understand why I'm so angry, the first thing that you have to do is ask the question, why am I angry? Yeah, I was listening to Tim Keller. Tim Keller gave a message about anger. And, uh, and if, after the service, I'll give you the link if you want it. You can come up and we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but this message on anger, Tim Keller, um, this is how God used him to kind of like drill down on some of my issues. And Tim Keller was talking about anger and he said, you know, anger's not a bad thing. You know, in fact, if you read, I've got like literally pages and pages and pages about in, in the Bible where it says that God was angry and God was angry and God was angry and God was angry, okay? Anger's not a bad thing. Anger's not, uh, in fact, anger, anger can be a good thing. Tim Keller says that anger is this. Righteous, godly anger is this. It's love in motion, okay? It's love in motion. Anger is what moves you to take action, okay, on something that you love, all right? So it's love in motion. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, yeah, I feel better now. My anger is love in motion. Some of that wasn't true, but love in motion, because here's the thing, what Keller was saying is that God got angry because something or someone he loved was being harmed. God got angry because someone was being t torn down. Okay, and, and so God would get angry and he would go, it would move him to take action. He would punish, he would get in the middle of it. All right, and so anger is love and motion from a godly perspective. When God gets angry, it's because he's moving in love to help move something out of the way or to help protect something he loves, all right? So righteous, godly anger is necessary. The fact is, if, if, one of the things Keller said is if you, and the Bible says, if you don't get angry, you don't love. So if you aren't a person who gets angry, you probably don't love much, all right? And so anger, godly perspective, is love in motion, all right? And so in that, the next question that Tim Keller asked that I like really started drilling down on is what, you know, the first question is why am I angry? Why am I angry? And I think that's a question you should ask. Why am I angry? And the next question is what am I defending? Because he said ultimately from God's perspective, anger is he is defending someone or something he loves. He's defending it. So when, when, when you rub up against why are you angry, 
then the next question is, well, what am I defending? Because here's the, here's the thing about anger that's tough, is that anger is, it kind of hides. It like hides itself. Because prior to having to dig in for this message, if you would ask me why I'm angry, I wouldn't have thought there was any like problem. I would have just said, well, I mean, you know, here's the deal. Why am I angry? Because I'm constantly getting the shaft from people. You know, I've got guys at work. I got a guy at work that I've gone 10 extra miles for, literally 10 extra miles for. I've helped him over and over and over and over again. And you know what he did? Back in November, he and his girlfriend went and charged up $3,000 on my credit card bills, on my gas bills. They went to the gas pumps and exchanged that credit card for cash, paid somebody and said, hey, I need some money, you know, can I, you know, charged up $3,000. It made me angry. I was justified being angry, right? I would have said, that's why I'm angry. It's because that kind of stuff happens to me all the time. I'm angry because of this. I'm angry because of that. So then I had to start drilling down why, okay, what am I, in my anger, what am I defending? In my anger, what am I defending? You know, because anger's love in motion. Godly anger is love in motion. Godly anger is not, I'm going to get you back for what you did to me. Godly anger is love in motion. So what is it that I'm defending? You know, and when I looked at all the things that make me mad and all the things that I feel like I've been mistreated, you know, when I started drilling down about why, what am I defending? What really is it? What, what was revealed was not pretty. What was revealed in the midst of that was what I'm defending is I believe I deserve better. I deserve better. For all the sacrifices I have made for you, I deserve better. I don't deserve this. And when I heard myself say those words, it made me flash back to a very painful time in my life where I was in my mid-20s and I was struggling with all kinds of issues and, and, uh, and, and I had friends of mine who, um, good friends of mine that um, would say to me, you don't deserve this. You've led your life the right way. You've not done the bad things in life. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this. And I'd like shrug it off. But what happened is at some point, those words, I don't deserve this, began to take hold in my life. Okay? Those words began to take root in me. I don't deserve this. And so what happened in that time is that God had to take a scalpel and cut that out of my heart. Because you know what those words really meant? Is the root of my issues, what I'm really defending is pride. My pride. That's the issue. The reason I'm mad all the time is because I'm proud. I'm prideful. That's why I'm mad. 
And I don't want to admit that. I didn't want to say that. In fact, in drilling down on it, I really was pushing up against it and going, it's not pride. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to seek some lofty position. I'm not trying to gain this. I'm not, tr- it's not about me. I'm not, it's not pride. It is pride. It's pride. It's reality. The source of unrighteous anger, not godly anger, is always pride. It's pride. So for you who sits here in this place of just like this simmering anger, like this low-grade anger that's always there, it, the source of that anger is pride. You can put whatever else you want on it. You can say, no, it's circumstance. No, it's this circumstance, it's that circumstance, but at the core root of it, it's pride. The deeper you drill, the more ugly it gets. And that's the truth. So the source of your unrighteous anger, not godly anger, is your pride. And we just need to admit it. Why am I angry? It's pride. Why? It's at the root of it. It's at the root of all our fights. It's at the root of all our quarreling. Let's go back to the list. Trump versus not in Trumper. Fox, CNN. Man, woman. Rich, poor. The root of all of that bickering and frustration and hostility is pride. We can't escape it. Don't lie to yourself anymore. I know you're sitting there going, no, nah, I don't know if I agree with that. And you can write it down and put it in the black box and, we'll go, and we can talk more about it. But the root of it is it's pride. It just is. I'm right and you're wrong. I'm smarter than you. It's pride. And we see it all the time. We see it in a marriage. You know, why, why is it that this marriage relationship, why is it that there's so much anger and hostility? If we were really honest, I, I do a fair amount of marriage counseling. And it, it's like, how did two people that loved each other and were like madly in love, now how is it that right now they like can't stand each other? And it's not just the people that come to marriage counseling that can't stand each other. If we're honest, a lot of our marriages are on some unstable ground because we're mad at each other. We're mad. We're angry. And we don't even come out and say, I'm angry with you. But the reality is it's true. It's just like you and your kids. The big conflict with you and your kids is you're mad at your kids all the time. Right? And if you don't believe me, ask them. They'll give you a healthy dose of truth. I have a nine-year-old and a 26-year-old daughter that are always like, why are you so mad all the time? I'm not mad. I just said something. Well, it's your tone. 
It's your tone. I mean, you just sound mad. And you know what that does? It makes me mad. Why are you saying that nonsense? I mean, what do you want me to do? Oh, dear. Hi. Oh, well. How's it going? I don't talk like that. I sound mad. I have a resting mad mouth. That's what it is. I mean, what can I tell you? The reality is, and if you don't like it, then quit talking to me. That's how I feel. So every time they do it, and it drives me crazy, they do it frequently, but the reality is it's because I'm mad all the time. That's why I sound that way. Even when I'm not mad, it's still bubbling over. Okay? And you know, here's one part about that is this, is you can grow up learning that anger gets you what you want. I watched my dad when I was a kid. My dad isn't, doesn't run as mad as I do, but I watched my dad when I was a kid, and you know, there'd be this, hey, make sure you clean your room. Hey, make sure you do this, make sure you do that, and, and you know, you know my dad, the cuddly teddy bear that he is, and everybody's like, oh, he probably never gets mad. I'll tell you what, you know how I learned to be mad? It's because when he got mad, he got results. It was undeniable. He raised his voice, we all scampered. We ran, we did whatever he said, I promise you. And if we didn't, he would like meet me at the door and grab me by the shirt and pick me up off the ground and push me back up against the wall and say, boy, what? Didn't you hear? Sorry. So I learned anger gets results. And you know what? It's true. Anger gets results. Like when I get mad, my kids do the same thing. Because they don't want me mad. But that's not godly and it's not righteous. So, Anger, the source of its pride. So in our marriages, you know why you're mad, and and in our families, you know why you're mad at your kids? Ultimately, it's not because they didn't clean their room. It's not because they didn't do this or this right. You know what you're mad about? Is that you look at them and you think you're a failure and that makes you mad. You look at them and go, I can't do this right. I'm a failure. Or you look at them and go, they're, they're not doing what I said and that's a reflection of me and it makes me mad. That's why you're mad. Call it for what it is. It's your pride. Your husband and wife, you know why you're mad? Because you know what? You had this idyllic way that this marriage was gonna go and it's not that. And I'm mad about it. I'm mad about the fact that you're not doing things my way. I'm mad about the fact that you haven't taken good care of yourself. I'm mad about the fact that you don't want to do the things I want to do. I'm mad about the fact that I, 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 do you hear? It's all about me. You're not this, I want this, and I'm not getting it, and so I'm mad at you. 
Do you understand how much that is at the core root of every conflict, everything that we go after each other about? It's pride. This is the evil empire, our pride. Because our pride is what sets itself up against God. It was Lucifer's pride that got him kicked out of heaven and thrown to this earth. Because Lucifer said, I want to be the most high. I don't like the way you go. I don't like your plans, God. I want my way. And he got mad. He said those things. That pride is what separated him. Your pride is what's separating you from your spouse. Your pride is what's separating you from your family, your kids. Your pride is what's separating you from God. Your pride is the source, the root of your anger. Quit spinning it. I encourage you, ask yourself the question, why am I angry and what am I defending? And the problem is a lot of times we just can't see it. Because you know what? The reality is, even in the midst of this, even in the politics talk and whatever, I, I think I'm smarter. I think I have a more informed viewpoint of this. I think that, you know, my way is right. Well, God in his brilliance in Proverbs 21 spoke just to that. Proverbs 21, he says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whenever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. Every man's ways are right in their own eyes. Every man's ways. You're right. And I will do whatever I have to do to protect that and to defend that because I'm right. And Jesus in Matthew 5 says that the way you tear at people because of that, because of your pride, you're a murderer. We need to stop kidding ourselves. Jonah 4, I'm going to talk about Jonah for a minute. We're getting close on time. I'm going to talk about Jonah for a minute. Jonah's been a passage that I have been uh, wrestling through in part of this anger. I, I've referenced this before. In Jonah 4, I was in a staff meeting. We read through Jonah and I, and I was in a meeting, and in Jonah 4, it says, God says to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? He says it twice. I didn't like it. I told my wife, I really don't like it now because she reminds me of it all the time. And, uh, but in that, here's the thing, and this, is, this exposes our issues, okay? It exposes. In Jonah 4, it'll be on the screen. This is, um, I want you to understand something. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, right at the start of four. You know what displeased him immediately, exceedingly? Here's what, it, here's what it was. God told Jonah, Jonah was a Hebrew. God told Jonah to go to a foreign land to the Gentiles in, in Nineveh and tell them that his impending um, judgment was coming on them and that they needed to repent. God, God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go tell those people in that foreign territory, I want you to go repent. And you know what happened? Jonah was mad about it. 
He didn't want to go. Why didn't he want to go? Because Jonah didn't want to go over to the Ninevites because they were a cruel people. They were an enemy of Jonah's people. They were cruel. He didn't want, he didn't want God to you know, warn them. He just wanted God to smoke them. All right? And so what happens and why in Jonah 4, it, it, what displeased Jonah exceedingly? The word of the, in verse 6, it's in chapter 3, verse 6, it said, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out to the mighty God. Let everyone turn it from his evil way and violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent from his fierce anger and we might, may not perish. When God saw that they did that, how they turned away from their evil ways, God relented from the disaster as he said he would do on them and he did not do it. That is what made Jonah exceedingly angry. God gave him a message to go preach to them and tell them, I'm God's angry because you're harming people. God moved in love and, and, and told them, hey, you need to change your ways. And that displeased Jonah because that's not what he wanted. He was angry. And really he was angry with God. And it says in verse 2, it says, And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you, I would underline this, I knew that you were a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I don't know if you've heard yourself say that before, but. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, withdrew, and he isolated, went out of the city and sat in a booth made for himself there. He sat under the shade till he could see um, what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and it made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in the night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? Where do you go to get informed? There's a lot of angst about what's going on, a lot of anger about what's going on in our world, in our country. In Iran right now, there's a lot of angst in the Middle East and what's going on. Where do Christian people, where do godly people go to get informed? Do we go to Fox News or CNN and listen? Or do we go to the Bible and go, who knows? Maybe I shouldn't be angry. Maybe God's at work doing something big. Maybe God's like, there's 120,000 people there that don't know their right hand from their left. 
And why are you angry? Why are you angry? So as we, as we live in angst about this stuff, let's, let's ask God, instead of getting angry and spewing out different opinions, let's ask God, what are, what are you up to, God? And how do I participate in that? What else do I do? What I don't do is I... I, here's, here's the practical things you've got to take with you, is that in all of this, I need to pray for God. In, in what we read in Jonah, God appointed, God appointed, God appointed. I trust that God's going to appoint people to go take care of those things, to accomplish God's will and purpose. So I'm not going to sit here and get angry and start creating more dissension what do I do about my own life with my wife and my kids and my friends and whatever? What do I do? I take action. You admit right now that I have a problem, that I've been angry, I am sorry. You go to your kids, you go to your spouse and you go, I'm sorry. You come in close and go, I'm sorry for how I've acted. I've been informed by the Bible. I've been informed that really the source of that's pride and I'm sorry. You go to your spouse and go, I'm sorry that I've held expectations over your head for all these years that weren't godly. I'm sorry that I've let my pride tear this marriage apart. I'm sorry that I've gone to Bible study after Bible study playing Connie Christian, sitting there acting like I'm some biblical scholar that's pursuing Christ all the while. You're murdering your husband and murdering your wife and your kids by your words, by what you say about them, by what you say to them. You're sitting here playing like you're doing what God wants. And that's why God in, in Matthew 5 says, leave your sacrifice and go fix what's going on. Leave your sacrifice at the altar and go fix what's going on with your brother. Because you're a murderer. You're abusive. Leave it and go fix it. So what Matthew 5, what Jesus is saying is leave your games of playing Christian and go take action. Come close and apologize for what you've done. God's not, not fooled. He's tired of your act. Then the next thing you need to do is you need to ask God to forgive you. Repent, ask God to forgive you. Ask God for help. And then the last thing is you need to meditate on humility. You need to live in humility. There's, there's a, uh, and I'll give it to you later because we don't have time, but the band's gonna come back up and we're gonna sing a song that is powerful. We're gonna have time to think and, and reflect. We're gonna sing this song of, what a beautiful name it is, because we need to re be reminded what this is really all about, what God has called us to. So the last thing we need to do is we need to live in humility. The, the, the way to fight pride, the way to attack, to be healed from anger, 
unrighteous anger that is really pride, the way to go at that is live in humility. There's a litany of humility that I heard a long time ago and it's gone off like a tape in my head. And and, and it's, I'll get you the link to it. It could be up on the screen. But this litany of humility basically is a prayer that that people said and they prayed and they're like, God, deliver me from the need to be right. God, deliver me from the need to be justified. God, deliver me from the need to be held high. Deliver me from the need to be esteemed. Deliver me from the need to have people look at me like I'm important. Those are my, my paraphrasing of it. God, help me not live in fear of this. Because humility wins. I've heard it said a long time ago, humility always wins. So how you can be healed from anger, how you can be healed from pride, is walk humbly. Come in close. Let's pray. God, today we're uh, asking that you would give us the courage to take this on. God, help us not to lie to ourselves. Help us not to play the game anymore. God, I pray that you wrecked, I, I pray that you wrecked the people that needed to be wrecked in this room. I pray that your words cut through like a sword right through my heart. I know that's what it did for me, Lord. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry that I've let this become a thing that separates me from you and separates my relationships. God, help it not to be that way anymore. God, I don't, the problem is it's, it's so ingrained in who I am right now, I don't even know how to fix it. So God, I need you to help me. I need you to put me in the right places. I need, I know it starts with asking for forgiveness and recognizing my issue. But God, help me know how to walk humbly. Help me to, to just, God, expose it when it's the ugliness of pride bubbling up. I pray that your Holy Spirit would go, no, you know what, that's pride. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk humbly. I pray that you would inform us through your word. I pray that you'd give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's what we'd pursue. God, we love you and pray in your name, amen.